Ben, and it's episode number three, right? And episode one, I went and I did everything that I needed to do. I studied about it. I had a look at the stats. I had a look at everything. Episode two, I thought I'll do it a bit more laissez-faire about it. I'll, I'll go into it, not do too much research, and then we'll sort of hit it on the day. This one, mate, I've done no research whatsoever to the extent I've got my other screen open, ready to find stats as we go along. How have you found the international break so far, Ben? <laughs> I didn't even realise it was on. It's probably the best way to put it. I genuinely had a lovely time not paying any attention to any we, sort we did of football. A, we did a whole podcast about it last week. You must have known it was happening. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, so so I, I, I watched the games. I was uh, not massively invested in it. Like I said last week, the, the, the international football and these breaks just don't mean much to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think it was... You know, what England needed to needed what we needed four points to qualify against Albania Ooh. and and San Marino. I don't think it was ever a foregone conclusion we weren't going to get there. Well, I think we we spent last week, didn't we, basically talking about how we hate international football and we should redo it in a certain way. That basically means that we don't have to watch international football as much. And then after we we turn around and go that it's boring and we don't want to watch it, England score fifteen goals in two games. Granted, they were against Albania and San Marino, but I mean, so you look at Friday and Friday, actually, the England game was pretty good. We had a really high tempo for the first half and then we just absolutely were awful in the second half, in my opinion. Like Albania obviously changed something about it and then we didn't do uh, we didn't do anything. And yeah. I basically sat there for 45 minutes and, and hated everything. Um, I know that you didn't watch much of that game. But you saw the Harry Maguire goal, didn't you, afterwards? Yeah, yeah. The, what um, a header. The, the header, well, I was going to go with the scissor kick, but um, <laughs> or, the, or, or the bicey, as, a, as my little one would say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the Harry Kane thing, because I, 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 I realised on the podcast I said that when United played uh, Spurs, he looks like he's completely checked out. Um, but right. I think for, for, for England... <laughs> You know, oh, he scored so, seven goals in two games. So, so, let, so let's go into a couple of bits, right? There's a few things to cover with England, in my opinion, on this, right? So you have Harry Maguire, you have Harry Kane. You then have the fact that we played two teams and, and smashed 15 goals past them. And England are not the best team in the world. They're up there, definitely, but they shouldn't be scoring 15 goals in two games, right? So I know that you're angry about Harry Kane and I know that you're angry about Harry Maguire and I know that based on our conversation last week you're angry about the fact that we're playing international football in general I don't want people to think that we're just here being two angry men Ben but which one would you like to fume about first (laughs) do you know what I I think you were talking about Harry Maguire I'm I'm ranting about Harry Kane um we could literally rant about any of it um Harry Maguire let's uh, let's start with him uh I think that I, celebration was uh, fine, by the yeah, way. See, see, I think it's very small time. So I, um, <laughs> I, I know I went on a bit of a rant about him last week. gave him the uh, gave him a red card. We called him a walk. Uh, I think we called him a sentient fridge, didn't we? Yeah, I think that's pretty much how he described it. Um, <laughs> outside the fifty p head and the slab head and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, if you've watched him enough as I have for United, you know for a fact that the odds of him getting a header on target because he wins a lot of headers in, from corners and crosses right. and set pieces, him getting a header on target and scoring, 
pretty much doesn't happen. Right. He comes to England and he scores two two very good headers for England yeah. in two games. Yes, the defending was standard for the the, the team the level of team that we're playing against. But to to roll to to run across, slide on his knees, cupping his ears like as if he's silencing his critics. Now let's not forget he's been crap all season. Was so small time, I thought. So I've I've thought about this a lot because, and the reason I have is because um, I probably would do the same because he's he's had a hard time this season, and I actually think we're not going to talk about United much because they've not played, but. I actually do think that the reason that he's been so bad is because he has such a bad manager in place and the way the team is set up are not good. I don't think, I don't agree with the fact that people say that Harry Maguire is not a good centre-back. I honestly don't. I, I think he's a good centre-back just in a bad team. But, 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 to score a goal for England within the first couple of minutes, at that point, you've got to remember that he's a human being and he's not a a robot who just is there to play football. So what he does is after getting stick from Roy Keane for the last 12 months, pretty much, he puts his fingers to his ears and he slides. And if you watch it back, everyone, it is awkward. It is the most awkward slide ever because he does this and then, uh, sorry, so he puts his fingers to his ears. Then he puts them down. Then he slides and then puts his fingers back in his ears. He doesn't know what he's actually trying to do there. But I think it's fine. I think, you know, it, it is what it is. And actually... That took a load of pressure off him, I think, because he did it. He, he scored again last night. So we're recording yeah. this on Tuesday after the England game was last night. I don't know. You've got your problems with him, but I don't think he's that bad. No. So, so uh, I think what what I think is is he's not read the room. Is probably the best way to describe it. I think yeah, fair enough. He's, he's he's got a lot of stick from from Roy Keane and, mm-hmm. and the Roy Keane impression of him, like yeah, we came out to do his interview after saying he didn't want to be here and this that, the other uh, to 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 slide on his knees, put his hands behind his ears as if to say, look at me, I've, I've silenced silenced all my crowd, or I can't hear uh, my critics, hit, I can't hear you now. It was so small time because. He's not going to do that in a Premiership. He's not going to do that. He's playing uh, an Albanian defence and a, and a San Marinan. San Marinan? San Marinan? San Mar- it's a San Marinese, yeah. I, I learned this because I, I took them on on um, Football Manager. I thought, let's let's cheat a little bit and get them into the World Cup. And uh, yeah, so, it was like San Marinese. I was like, that's not even got two M's in it. Um, so, so the, you so call the it small time, but Albania, a lot of their team playing Serie A. They're not. They're not small time players. They're just not the best team in the world. Yeah, no, no, I, I get that, but I would say as an international side, they're not brilliant. Uh, well, clearly, we uh, beat them five 0 ex- Exactly, and you know, let's we'll go into San Marino being you know the, the literally the the statistically the worst team in uh, international <laughs> football. Um, we'll go into that. I'm sure. I just thought that it was a bit like. Yeah, you didn't read the room there. You, you're not silencing any critics by scoring a couple of headers against really not great defenders. Um, I think it says something though. I, I think it, it. I think it does say that he's happier to play for England than he is for United. I mean, clearly. Oh. I mean, I don't mean that he doesn't want to play for Manchester United. I mean, mentally, he seems happier when he plays for England, and I think that says wonders, like for for his sort of you know sort of credit, in my opinion. But I also need to stop saying my opinion. By the way, before we go forward, I've said it three times already. I've just noticed it. Everything I'm going to say in this, Ben, it's all my opinion, all right, mate? Before I get called out on it by yeah. probably you no, tomorrow. No, 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 I, I, I think fine. I think Maguire's fine. I think do it because actually he then scored another goal 
and then he actually played really well. So I, I just think it's like, I, I, caught up in the moment. A, it's fine. Yeah, I, I think you can say there's a different pressure playing for your your club side than there is playing for England into what are effectively gimme ties. But you know, mm. there's there's not a big competition. There's not a big challenge in those two games, um, and he probably should have had the captaincy stripped from him after the Greece incident beginning last season. He's, he's, he's clearly been overplayed. You know, he had a, he had a good Euros. He played well last season, but this season he's been woefully out of form. Yeah. And that, that does lie with the, the manager. He's been, was it, he's was been it last season that Roy Keane said that he, if he was still at United, he wouldn't let De Gea and Maguire on the bus. He definitely said it. I just don't know if it was last season. I don't know, but 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 you saw Keane after the uh, after the England game. After that, he said, I, "I'd be fighting him." That, that's that's Roy Keane for you. He'd oh yeah, but he'd, he'd, um, he'd fight himself if there was a mirror there. Oh yeah, I think so. Harry Kane, Harry Maguire is one thing, right? Yeah. And and I know that everyone's wound up about that, and and people are saying like, "This is." I mean, let's be honest. It, it's a celebration for his international team, and I, I feel like in any other country. No one gives a shit about it because it's Harry Maguire scoring for his team. If you, if you had anyone else who was doing that, as soon as you put your national shirt on, as long as you're successful in what you're doing, people don't care. Now, Harry Kane, different story, right? Yeah, definitely. Why? So I, I just don't think he gets perhaps the respect that he does from certain sets of fans. Um, I know watching other other YouTube channels, watch alongs and stuff, they they some people Harry Kane wouldn't, wouldn't yeah wouldn't celebrate Harry Kane scoring. I mean Arsenal fans obviously. Oh um, okay yeah yeah yeah. So so there are sort of club rivalries that, that come into it. Um, however, I mean I, yeah. yeah. I, I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that he wasn't playing particularly well. I mean, he looked like he checked out. He wanted to go to City or he wanted to wanted to leave Spurs. He's he stuck there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you can't argue with scoring seven goals in two games, you know, regardless <laughs> of who the opposition are, even if it is San Marino and Albania. You know? I kind of go back to my, my, uh, my opinion on Harry Guire is kind of the same as Harry Kane here, that he looks happier playing under... A manager that that obviously you know, wants him to be front and center, that respects what he's doing and and has respected his wishes, and with a team that that he he gets along with that has arguably good tactics. You know, I know a lot of people don't know whether they like England's tactics. For me, it's it's got us to a final of a major tournament for the first time since nineteen sixty six, and uh, you know, I think that that Harry Kane and Harry Maguire looks so happy playing for England that you have to question about their club teams about exactly what's happening. I mean, I, I mean, sorry, just, just to go in there. I think, I think there's a lot less pressure in, yeah. in those two games. Yeah. You know, don't forget you're playing Albania and San Marino. I know I keep going on about this, but there's a, there's a, there's much less pressure in playing those two teams and ensuring England qualify for the world cup than there is currently Harry Kane's going through playing for Spurs or Harry Maguire as captain of Man United is, mm. is going through a really tough time after, you know, basically two absolute humpings by, by two of our biggest rivals. Um, so there's a, there's a lot more pressure on it. Uh, I think the England games, uh, and we talked about formations and stuff, playing San Marino and going three centre-backs, two wing-backs, should have tried something else, but that's what Southgate, we can talk about that. Um, 
I just think there's a lot less pressure playing for England at the moment because because qualifying for these tournaments, as, as shockingly arrogant as it sounds, is, is almost a foregone conclusion for England. I think it's the 10th like time that we've topped the group or it's, it's a mad stat yeah. um we've we've had our moany moments i think we can for for me i think the last word on the harry the harry's is that um it says wonders about what's happening at their clubs that that they look so happy playing for england and that they yeah. did so well granted two of harry kane's goals were penalties but you still got to put them away haven't you yeah. um a, a mate of mine told me the other day when or last night when we were watching it the you know, of course you're going to score a penalty when you've got, you know, a part-time banker in goal. Um, but, <laughs> you, but you still have to put it, yeah, you still have to put yeah, it in. Yeah. Um, and and that, that in itself breeds pressure. I think let's move away from being grumpy old men about it. Um, and let's move on to talking about the, the big wins in those games, which for me were the newer members of the team playing really well um, and, you know, getting goals. Um, so Emil Smith Rowe scored a goal. Saka got one. Should have had two, in my opinion. Um, I'm just looking at who else scored. It's a long list, everyone. Long list. It was ten nil. <laughs> um, Ming's got his first England goal, I think. Tammy Abraham could have had a hat trick had the referee yes, not been yeah. a bastard. Um, <laughs> Trent got three assists in the space of yeah. ten minutes. Smith Rowe got an assist. Abraham got an assist. Foden got assists. I think the England team's looking great at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, I thought I thought Emil Smith Rowe was was quality. Um, he's unreal, I mean, isn't he? He got his he got his debut against Albania. He came on for for Sterling, I think, in about the seventy third, seventy fourth minute, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, first start, got an assist, got a goal. Um, great, great player. Arsenal, I think, a, a lucky time. I know when when Arsenal gave him a new contract, at, like silly money, because I think Villa were after him at the beginning of the city, during the yeah, summer. Yeah, they were. Um, everyone was laughing that you know they gave him the number ten shirt. They yeah. gave him you know hundred grand a week or whatever. I thought hang on, Villa have had their pants down there. Um, but to be fair, he's um, he's he played really well. Um, and yeah, <laughs> certainly certainly contention for the, for the for the World Cup later on. Do you know this is the third podcast and it's the third podcast in a row that we spoke about people having their pants down at some point. <laughs> <laughs> the first time for me though. You, you do it every time. <laughs> I obviously planted it in your head. <laughs> um, I actually, I, I just going through the list here, and there's a couple of people that I missed out at the start. We probably forgot about Jude Bellingham had a game that I'm going to describe as silently perfect because I don't really, apart from the goal that was disallowed, which should have been a goal, you know. But again, referee wasn't great. Um, he he played so well that I think none of us really realised it. Um, yeah. And I think those what are the sort of performances. But those are the performances we're missing. And we've missed since the likes of like Paul Scholes are in there where he just does his job and no one really notices. Conor Gallagher, obviously, you know, Chelsea on loan at Palace. He, he puts himself about. I watched him um, pre-season for Chelsea against Bournemouth and he just looked fantastic. And I just was like, actually, it's one of two things. You have to go on loan and you'll get really good game time or stay. And I think you could probably do quite well and he went on loan, but... He's doing really good. Um, and then the other person who we really did forget um, was Ramsdale yeah. in goal. Yeah. And I know that that sounds weird because it was San Marino and we won 10 nil. So you're not exactly expecting him to do much. But I don't know if you know or if you saw, he made a save in the second half, I think it was. Um, and he had to be on his toes. 
And after having basically stood there for an hour, he makes this fantastic save against what was probably a binman, let's be fair. But he's on his toes to make that save. And I think yeah. those are the situations in the past where we would, we'd have been screwed because the goalkeepers that we had were a bit complacent. You think of Paul Robinson, yeah. Scott Carson, um, Rob Green, and, and sort of players like that who all had a mistake in them. And although, you know, Ramsdale is young, I don't see that. I don't see mistakes in him. No, like we've seen but, before. You know, I you know full well it's it's very well documented. But my belief that Ramsdale wasn't wasn't <laughs> great or wasn't a great keeper, um, but yeah, fair play. He's, he's he's on form. He's playing well. And and I mean, you're not going to get an easier debut, are you, for England if you're playing I, San Marino? Well, I said that. I'm, I'm so me and Ben obviously texted each other yesterday as well, and I I basically said it's the riskiest thing for me that Ramsdale could let in a couple of goals if he's not careful, which in hindsight was a stupid thing to say because he was never going to, but, you know, could let in a couple of goals and then all of a sudden it's the worst debut in the world. But yeah, yeah, I think, you know, for everything that we slagged off international football... um, We had two very interesting or entertaining games. Yeah, two really good games. And actually, if you look at what else happened, um, since let's have a look when was it what's Friday's date <laughs> 12th something like that so yeah so he's had, uh, we beat Albania 5-0 Hungary beat San Marino 4-0 you've got Denmark beating the Faroe Islands I mean these are not big games Italy drawing with Switzerland and I believe that was the game that Jorginho missed the penalty which then meant they had to beat Northern Ireland last night and then didn't which means that Italy are in the, the playoffs uh, Republic of Ireland got a draw, I think, against Germany from memory. Was it against Germany? We're now making things up. This is the uh, the made-up red card podcast. Um, Portugal, that was it. Ireland got a draw against Portugal, which meant that um, Portugal then went into the uh, into the playoffs uh do you know we can't even talk it's episode three we're, we're gone it's, it's a cap we're gone um it's basically portugal also in the playoffs right um because they drew against republic of Ireland and they lost 2-1 against serbia in the last minute goal so and then france beat kazakhstan 8-0 so you know it's like <laughs> I, I think it leads perfectly into what we're going to talk about in a bit and i think maybe we bring that forward because it seems quite poignant and that's our sort of what if so the what if this week is what if relegated teams from the Premier League were unable to be promoted in the next season after they were relegated? And the reason I think it brings it all together, Ben, is because the likes of Norwich, Fulham and Watford over the last few years have yo-yoed up and down uh, between the two leagues, between the Championship and the Premier League. And I've brought it into the, the, the sort of international scene as well because we're seeing results like 5-0, 4-0, 10-0, 8-0, 6-0, 5-1. I'm just going from here, 6-0. Like these are too many goals that are being scored for it to be a fair competition. So we'll go into the international bit after. The reason we brought this up, Ben, and I'll let you give the explanation to this, but you have certain opinions on yo-yo teams. Yeah. Go. So, so... Forgetting the international sides, your Norwiches, your West Broms, your your Fulhams, uh, and I've got nothing massively against any of those teams. 
Yeah. Uh, I just think that, uh, yes, they're, they're, as, as you described them as yo-yo teams, I just think that when they come up, there are certain teams, uh, Norwich, I'm looking at you, uh, that uh, won't, th- that seem happy to come up, take the 100 million for playing in the Premiership, and go yeah. back down. They don't massively invest in their in their squads with big sort of transfers. Uh, yeah. I mean, there have been times that Fulham certainly did it. I remember Fulham spending thirty million on John Michel in one yeah. season, wasn't it? Yeah, they, they spent thirty million on John Michel Seri, uh, who was a, a, a quite a, a decent uh, centre midfield player, short uh, short centre midfield player from France, um, and uh, and still got relegated. I, I get it. I know that there's that risk that you take when you come up. If you overspend, you're going to be struggling to come back up the next time. But yeah. I just think there are certain teams that come up don't really go out of their way to uh, break the bank or, or make a, a what I'd consider a, a concerted effort to stay mm-hmm. up in a premiership yeah and are happy to take the take the money get relegated take the parachute payments and then come back up again the following year um, and I just think that's it's a bit unfortunate for fans I, I know I know a fair few Watford fans that are uh, playing a, a local team um here and and they say we we have that the season of of massive highs and enjoyment when we're in the championship beating teams yeah. in the front center and then we have a whole season of really hating football and not caring mm-hmm. and not wanting because we're just getting beat beat down every single week and that can't be fun that can't be intro- it can't be enjoyable for uh, for fans no so yeah so, so I, I think what should happen then is these yeah. teams that get relegated from the premiership should stay down for at least a season yeah, uh, and then if they come back, so have, have one season out of the Premiership, or maybe two seasons. So the season they get relegated, they can't come back. Even if they do come in the top two or three, uh, or via playoffs, whatever. Yeah, uh, they shouldn't be. Uh, they shouldn't be allowed back in for at least two seasons. Okay, now that is a hugely controversial statement, in my opinion, because Massive. and the reason for it is that Norwich last season walked. The championship, right? Um, and I think that's harsh. Let, let's sort of take this step by step from where I sit on it, right? I think if you're doing that, then you go one step further and you actually say, and this this is, I think, a better situation to be in. Because what you're trying to achieve is that a team can go up and they cannot perform in the Premier League and then they get relegated, then they go up and they... and from what you've told me before, you see it as essentially unfair on. In fact, who do, who is it unfair on? So, so, so uh, we've, we've spoken about this before, but but in my opinion, there there were times like uh, Brentford or or Leeds, who are two examples of teams that have come up to the Premiership and are playing brilliantly, or you can see they are they are going for it. They're attacking pre- established Premiership teams. Yep. Yeah, they might they might lose the odd game. 4-0, 5-1 in Leeds, you know, when Leeds play United, we, we seem to score loads there. They're sort of tailor-made for us. Um, but but you know what? They'll still get a lot more victories in the season than playing the sort of what I consider what's somewhat negative football that, that sort of you, West Brom or Norwich might play. Um, so, that, so to me, I would much rather see teams coming up and going for it than yeah. teams coming up seemingly not really trying, taking the money and going back down. 
Um, and that's, sure. I think, I think you can see the massive difference between Leeds and Brentford as a side and, yeah. and the performances, you know, uh, Brentford came up and you'd argue Brentford are playing much better than Norwich and you've just said Norwich absolutely walked that absolutely walked the uh, the championship last season so um, okay so you you essentially see it unfair on teams that are currently in the championship but are struggling to get into the Premier League um, is that fair? I don't, no I don't, I don't see it as unfair uh, what I see it as uh, is uh, is as uh, certain teams that that come up or deserve an opportunity to get into to play in the Premiership and have a go yeah. at the teams than teams that I think now you've seen have come up a few times have actually really not been any great shakes in the Premiership. Yeah, you know, Sheffield United when they came up the first season they came up they well, they finished in Europe. Uh, European places. Second season, yeah, they went back down. Fine, uh, haven't come back up since. But you know, right. so you, so what? What I want to see is is I want to see the teams that come up really go for it when they come into the Premiership. Yeah, as opposed to teams that come up and seemingly just make up the numbers, take okay. the money, and, and go back down. So he. So here's the thing, right? So th- there's two elements from my point of view. Number one, I think you're thinking of it the wrong way around. So you're saying that they should, they that once they are relegated, they then are unable to be promoted again until one full season has passed, or two full seasons, actually, because yeah. you've got one season where you're not in it and the other season where you compete to get promoted, right? So take a team like Newcastle, for example, who got relegated and they got promoted straight away. That was a blip. Aston Villa went down for a couple of seasons just because they couldn't get back up one time. And then they got promoted again. So every team that you're saying is then there, say, for example, a Burnley got relegated this season after spending, what, the last 15 years in the Prem? And then they smashed the championship next year because they just had a blip this year. I think that's unfair. So I think rather than doing it that way, where you're banning relegated teams from being promoted, you do it the other way around, where you don't allow promoted teams to get relegated. So what that does is that allows a team to come up to a next level and to stay at that level for a couple of seasons to build a squad because Norwich at the moment have just hired Dean Smith as their new manager. Mm-hmm. January's coming and who are Norwich realistically going to sign that's going to be a decent player that's going to be able to get them to stay in the Premier League? Probably no one, right? So any player that is coming knows that next season's championship football. So any team that is any player that is coming to their team is automatically a probably already in a negative mindset about it, and b not at the caliber to keep them in the Premier League because what maniac would would sign a contract when they want to play Premier League football if they're going to definitely be in the Championship next year? So you you have that where you're getting better players, you're probably going to get a better manager. Your team is then forming that's slightly better because you, you're playing Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, you know, these these top clubs on a regular basis. United, sorry, I missed them off. Um, for good reason, they're shit. So <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. You're playing them on a regular basis, so you're you're getting better as players. And then also the money side of things is the other pit that I wanted to to hand on this because you're saying that the teams are not making an effort 
to stay in the Premier League with the signings that they're making. There are two teams in the Premier League whose owners are worth less than a billion pounds. A billion. Can you guess who they are? Are you going to tell me it's Norwich and Brentford? Norwich and Watford. Norwich and Watford, okay. Norwich is... So bear in mind that the rest are a billion. What do you reckon they're both worth? Is it is it individual single owners for, for both? Uh, so Gino Pozzo is the Pozzo family for Watford. Um, okay. I know it's an investment and an investment behind it as well. Um, and then for Norwich, you have Delia Smith, Michael Wynne-Jones and Michael Fulger. Okay, so so collectively for each team, maybe a couple of hundred million each? Watford is 120 million. Right. Norwich is 30 million. Right. Net so, worth. Right. Yeah, we're not spe- expecting them to put uh, invest all of their own money into it, although I'm sure fans would like to see see them do that. They are still picking up a hundred million pounds just for being in the Premiership. Yeah, finish bottom the Premiership, right. get hundred million pounds. You know, um, but yeah. okay, one one more thing on them then, because you're yeah. you're talking about income and that kind of thing. Yeah. But so they they get a hundred million pounds for getting into the Premier League. Carrow Road has twenty seven thousand seats. Yeah. Vicarage Road has, this is where I want Tom to be here, who is my Watford know-it-all, 22,200. So they're already 10 to 15,000 tickets behind every game, which is where most of their money probably comes from. Norwich had horrible, horrible trouble in the summer with their sponsor. I don't know if you remember us talking about it, but... They had a sponsor who was a gambling firm. They basically hadn't looked into it enough. When they released the sponsor, the fans got on the back of the owner because it turned out this family-friendly club, Norwich, their sponsor was a gambling firm that had half-naked women sponsoring, like um, doing all the sponsorships. So then the, the people that came in to basically, and I mean this genuinely, save mm. Norwich, was Lotus, who is ba- they're based in, in Norwich, um, or around Norwich at least, and they have been historically. So I understand yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, mate, where you, you don't want to basically have a team that comes up and gets trampled all over every season. But I don't think they can invest heavily in those. In so, it. yeah, so, so you know, without taking this down a whole sort of finance rabbit hole, I think <laughs> your, your idea of saying... Get Delia you know, on and get yeah. her to give us... <laughs> I want to. I want to see a finance. Right. Where are you? Um, no, but without going down that <laughs> sort of avenue, yeah. <laughs> but I think what what we need to take into account is is that yeah. um, we you you can do you know think about it yeah, your way and stuff. But also, I think if you said to your Burnleys, your 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 teams that sort of are down in that that yeah. lower half, if you said to them or you said to their owners, if you get relegated you cannot come back up for at least one whole season. Yeah. You would see, you'd see a lot more investment in teams. You'd see a lot more uh, attacking football because you'd be wanting to win games. You'd see less, less tight right. matches, far more end to end. I think there's, there's something to be said for giving teams 
I mean, it is. It's not a carrot and a stick. It's it's very much the stick incentive uh, to to. <laughs> it's the to, stick up their arse incentive. Is what you're giving yeah, them. basically to 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 go out of their, out of their way uh, to to try and attack. You know. But what happened? So, just just quickly, we've seen Derby in the last couple of days, the last six months. They now collectively this season have had, I think, it's minus twenty three points because of their financial issues because they're doing exactly what you're telling them to do which is investing heavily granted is if when they're in the championship already but they're investing heavily to try and get into the premier league and it's failed and granted as well they've fluffed their numbers on their accounts and that kind of stuff but norwich have got 30 million pound in their owners pockets right and that probably a lot of that over being fair is is wrapped up in different bits most of the value of norwich is probably their stadium and their players so actually, when you look at their value in terms of cash money, it's probably not very high. So what you're telling these teams to do, and, and tell me if I'm wrong because I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit here, mate, but what you're telling them to do is put themselves into financial pressure at, with the hope of staying in the Premier League. I think they, I think they, they put themselves into financial pressure by, by not trying to stay in the league. Effectively, your, your teams like Norwich and that will take the money, go down. Uh, sorry, I keep using Norwich as an example, but there are other teams. You know, you watch no, but Norwich, that. that is fair yeah. because Norwich are the yeah. one that do come up and they, yeah. they do struggle and then they go down. Yeah, and they go back down, yeah. And, and, you know, that, that fair enough. Um, yeah, there's always going to be teams that are, I, don't, I hate to say it, the whipping boys of, of the Premier League that are going to find it really difficult. Yeah. I just think there needs to be some sort of mitigation against that where, where teams that do come up can... Uh, if if they don't give it what you consider everything, uh, uh, maybe that's the playing staff. Maybe that's it's less the the investment. I don't know. Um, they just need to be given a bit more of a of a a reason to want to stay in, but other than other than you know, I'm not going to say lying in their owners' pockets because that, that perhaps isn't the case. But just coming up, taking the money, and going down is what it seems to me. So. So, so what if you had a hybrid of our two thoughts? And I don't want this to I don't want this to seem like we're just trying to agree because it's the podcast, but I've just thought about what if you had a situation and and you're I mean, you're the one with the problem here, mate. <laughs> you're 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 the one that doesn't like it. Personally, I, I'm the kind of person who it, it's football, right? It's football at the end of the day. Money has ruined football anyway, you know, and, and that's just a truth that nobody can argue with me. And if they want to try comment down in the uh, in the section down there and, and tell me why I'm wrong but money has ruined football as to what it was a couple you know 20 odd years that's ago that's impressive coming from a Chelsea fan but you know well I actually have a question <laughs> about this um before you at some point about uh, about Newcastle today um but we'll get onto that in a minute but money has ruined football I'd, I'd genuinely rather watch a team that plays good football and plays hard football uh, and you know isn't necessarily in the Champions League every season. And, you know, I also am a season ticket holder at Harlow Town. Watching them sometimes is, is honestly like smashing your head against the wall because, you know, <laughs> because they're actually a team that's, that doesn't have any money and they're, they're in, you know, the Eastman League and, and they're, they're struggling because they've got no money anyway. But anyway, the hybrid situation that I see this at. So a team gets promoted. Say next season, who, who's... Doing well in the uh, championship this year. Did Bournemouth probably top? Bournemouth, like, Ful- like you know, Fulham. like you know. Um, <laughs> if it's Bournemouth, I'm not going to know clearly. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure Bournemouth are top at the moment. Yeah, they're 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 top by a couple of points. They're 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 in they're first, and West Brom are third. It would 
and they're eight points behind. So Bournemouth are probably coming up this season unless something drastic happens with their form. Bournemouth come up this season and then next season they can't get relegated. So they've, they've got next year to build on their team to make sure that they get a solid team in to bring yeah. players in that are going to play Premier League football for at least two seasons, right? They might struggle. Now it might be a struggling team, but you've got Premier League standard footballers coming in. Season after next, they get relegated and they've tried their best for two seasons. They just can't stay in the Premier League. At that point, they then have to spend two seasons at least in the Championship. So you've got a hybrid of both of them. So if Norwich get relegated this year, it, under these rules, if they get relegated this year, then they can't come up until 2024. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Um, but then I say that's the I say that is the situation that you're in. If, for example, Newcastle got relegated this season, in my opinion, they can come straight back up next year, but then the rules apply to them. So I don't think every relegate because the what if is what if this happened and and if you're relegated, then you you can't come up for two seasons or for a season. That affects people like Newcastle that are actually, um, I mean, laughably, I'm, and I can't believe I'm reading this, mate. They've not won a game this season. No. They've drawn five, lost no, six. Yeah. And, and they're on the same, they're in the same point. I mean, Norwich have got better form than them at the moment, which says a lot. Um, I think that, I think they'll have a new manager bounce for a bit with it under Eddie Howe, though, won't they? So, whether that, whether that new manager bounce is like one one result, one win until January, maybe if they can get some people. We've spoken about this before. Um, I think Newcastle will be all right. I think there are probably worse teams in the league than Newcastle at the moment. I don't, and I think it's big. so. We went into a bit of the Eddie Howe stuff. What I, what I don't think we got into is for me, it's a. They've not got their manager they wanted. And this similar to Spurs, they've not got the manager they wanted by about three or four. You know, they interviewed several different people. They offered the job to Emery on a play and he didn't want it. They've gone with Eddie Howe, who's a safe route because it's no risk to them because, oh, it was only Eddie Howe. He was rubbish anyway. We'll sack him. And for him, it's no risk because, oh, well, it was Newcastle, new owners. They expected too much. It's, it's a safe one. Yeah. What players are you going to get that want to go to Newcastle? Yeah, like where's we, we, yeah? We, we spoke about this on a previous podcast, didn't we? Yeah, we said, yeah, yeah. But yeah. when we talk about it, then we spoke about Emery being the manager, and he could have brought in Paul Torres, and he could have brought in Cochalan, and he could have brought in these like yeah, re, yeah you know, the Lingards, relative, yeah. yeah, yeah, relatively yeah. good players. What you're going to get now from them is people that are struggling elsewhere that have struggled for some time that are coming for a payday. And I don't think it's going to be the same as City. But I, I was thinking about this the other day. If you think about City, they brought in company before the money. They did. They yeah. brought in um, Rubinho just before they got the money. That He's the reason they got the money, I, I found out a couple of weeks ago. The, the owners basically turned around and was like, unless you get Rubinho, we're not going to do it. So they had to get him over the line. And then they started bringing in these players. And people talk about City and money. And apparently Fernandinho, and this might just be a rumour that I've seen online, Fernandinho played four million pound of his own transfer fee to make sure they went to City. So I think there's a lot behind it that we don't we don't look at. 
That also sounds very illegal, by the way. Speaking of that, I mean, this is completely <laughs> off on a tangent. But did you see uh, Ronald Koeman paid, I think, about six million of his own money to buy himself out of the Holland, the Netherlands job to take on Barcelona. He then got sacked by Barcelona and yeah. they asked him to, to yeah, on the guarantee that he would get sort of double that and get about 12 million if they sacked him before the end of his contract. They right. sacked him and then said to him, can we give you like the six million back? And he's, he's gone, nah, I want the whole lot. And I absolutely yeah. don't blame him for it. I, I know we're flitting between things here and that's just kind of our vibe of one is, but Barcelona mm-hmm. have no money, which is why they don't have Messi anymore. And I looked at the BBC gossip column today and Barcelona are silently working on a deal to lure Liverpool and Egypt forward Mo Salah to the new camp because Xavi wants him at all costs. Barca are also monitoring Cesar Azpilicueta's situation at Chelsea, who could be on a free at the end of the season. Barca also want to sign Raheem Sterling in January on loan. It doesn't look easy because of their financial situation. I think, go back to yesterday's, Yesterday's was also along the line of Barcelona want to sign this person, but in fact, I'm going to get it here. It's so while, of... you, while you're looking at that, I, I also saw that they're they're willing to accept offers for Frankie de Jong, and I couldn't believe that when I saw it because I think he's probably their their, their best player now. Well, so. that, that's because apparently they're looking to make moves for Hakim Ziyech, Callum Hudson Odoi, and Chris and Pulisic. Oh, what the f- <laughs> <laughs> what the f- <laughs> What on earth? Yeah. What on earth? I've not dropped an F bomb on this year. I, mean, I don't I think. Mean, I mean, to be what fair, on earth's going on? Yeah, we've we've gone massively off tangent here, but but Barcelona will always have that pull because of who they are, uh, their name of the club, their their reputation, their history. I mean, they they will always have that pull. Um, uh, yes, their their money has been terribly mismanaged over the over the the last sort of 10, 15 years, mm-hmm. um, and I love seeing every minute of them struggling, which I'm not going to lie, is, is, is great. <laughs> I forgot you hate Barcelona <laughs> and Real Madrid. <laughs> you, say, you say I hate a team every game, but yeah, I, yeah, pretty much like this Mezkian club, whatever, don't give me that. Um, anyway, <laughs> let's let's go back to the what-ifs. No, uh, so let, let me actually disagree. You know what I've realised that we haven't done actually on the what-ifs is we've not said what-if. We've, <laughs> we've said what the situation would be. We've never actually said what if this happened. If if what if that happens? What if um, we didn't allow relegated teams to be promoted until the second season they're in that league? What would and happen? You didn't allow teams that got promoted to be yeah to be relegated. That's right. Yeah, I'll I tell you exactly what will happen then. Go on. You ready for this? Go on. Norwich. Let's end it on this one. Norwich would get relegated a couple of times and they'd get promoted a couple of times and they'd get relegated a couple of times and Norwich would get promoted. It it, it wouldn't solve the Norwich problem. What you essentially are looking for is a break from having to, which sorry, more than just a year's break from having to watch people try and beat Norwich City by more than a couple of goals. Yeah, I think essentially that's it, and, and perhaps I, I, I got it uh, got it wrong in that case. But I just think that there's there's something to be said for uh, uh, people that enjoy the game uh, and fans wanting to see their teams really going for it. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that that you ask a Leeds fan uh, if they they have more fun watching their team than than a Norwich. Uh, a Norwich fan or, or or Brentford fan at the moment seeing their team taking it to, to other teams in the Premiership really 
really having a go at him and trying to trying to trying to beat him. I just think that I think it's it, it's a little bit depressing somewhat uh, watching some of these teams that that come up and don't look like they're they're really giving it everything to try and stay in the league. Well, I think I don't think you're wrong. I think there's there's substance to what you're saying. I think there's a, a logic to what you're saying. I think you'd build on it, and and you know, like I said, you you build on that by making it so that teams that that then were promoted were then saved from relegation because I think you have to build a team. Um, so I think that that is you know, you look at teams in the past that have have gone up and then come straight back down, and and I think those are the ones that really struggled to get some kind of. Um, some kind of form going. So I, I think there's, there's a substance to what you're saying. I think there's logic to it. I just, I mean, sadly, although our ideas are always perfect, um, <laughs> the Premier League are never going to pick them up. Um, so, so do we end this with a massive positive or a massive negative? Teams go, getting relegated and being told to stay down or teams getting promoted, being allowed to stay up for at least the season? Massive positive, massive Personally, negative. I think allowing promoted teams to not be relegated benefits football more than if relegated teams can't be promoted. Okay. So we have so, what we what we haven't thought about it here is Norwich, Watford and Brentford get promoted this season. Say all three of them, I know Brentford are doing fine, but in theory, say all three of them are in the bottom three. And then you've got Southampton, Burnley and Brighton who are above them that have all done enough to survive that season all get relegated. Those fans are then going to be pissed off. So I think, wait, is what is what we're actually saying here that football's perfect as it is? <laughs> I think we've, we've talked around the subject a lot and probably ended on, yeah, I think it probably is fine. It doesn't need any changes whatsoever. Excellent. Well, well done. So well done football for that. So let's bring it on to the reason why we started talking about this in the first place. International football at the moment is basically a, a joke. Like, and, and somebody hit the nail on the head the other day and they gave the figures that I haven't got because we're not professional enough to have numbers, have we been? But basically um, it's along the lines of, you know, Europe get the majority of the spaces within the World Cup. Whereas teams like uh, teams that are in Africa, teams that are in the Kong, Conable, Kong, Mebel, Kong, Mebel, Kong, yeah. Kong my balls. I think uh, Con my calf and Con my balls. <laughs> but I think, but North North America. I think teams that are in North America and, and Africa and Australasia and you know sort of in Asia in general do not get enough spaces, which means that overall you're going to get you know less representation, whilst. Europe are basically guaranteed to have all of their top nations in it. Yep. So, right, where do, where do we start with this? Um, well, let's start from the bottom. San Marino. Okay. San Marino shouldn't Statist- be playing Statistically, England. the worst team in international football. Yeah. Um, they've won what? I mean, I was going to talk about this later on, but they've they've won one game in about 180 something, 186, 187 matches. They've drawn six, lost 175, something like that. Um, you know, hey, I think they're, they're bang on. Wait, I want to check these stats. If you've remembered that, you've not got that on paper, have you? Next year, I haven't got it on paper next to me, but uh, but yeah, I, I did look at it earlier to just sort of get an idea. Um, anyway, cut a long boring story short. They should. <laughs> 
there has to be a point. I, I, you know, I said last week that, that representing your country is the pinnacle of your career. You should be very proud. But this is a country of 33,000 people. It, you know, if you yeah. do some rudimentary maths, half that, half the population of that are male, uh, 15,000, half of them probably children or, or uh, uh, people too old to play football. You know, you're, there's got to be a point where teams like San Marino, uh, Andorra, Liechtenstein, the Faroe Islands, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just picking random countries here. Uh, certainly Andorra is one of them. Um, that it's just not fun. It, it can't be, you know, it's, it's something to tell your grandkids, oh, I, t- I was on the pitch with Harry Kane. I was on the pitch with... Yeah, but it's uh, not a good thing, uh, is it? Because you've it's lost 10-0. You know, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's not... Um, it's not, you know... It's an embarrassment. The thing is, for me, you, it should be the proudest moment of your life, but realistically what's happening is that you are losing every game that you play by more goals than most football games see. Yeah. So San Marino, Gibraltar, Liechtenstein, Moldova, yeah. Malta... Um, t- t- wait, so here's what we do. Well, you stop me. All those teams are like the bottom up. You stop me when you find a team that could beat England. Andorra, Latvia, Lithuania, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Faroe Islands, Kosovo, Estonia, Cyprus, Belarus, Luxembourg, Georgia, Armenia, Israel, North Macedonia, Montenegro, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Albania, Iceland, okay. Finland, Northern well, Ireland. Iceland did beat us. Let's 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 stop it. Stop it. Stop Iceland. at Iceland because we yeah that was that was poor. But because we've but, only got um, an hour for the podcast. <laughs> well, exactly. But but you know what? I'm not I'm not saying Iceland or teams like that. I'm I'm just saying those teams that that basically in every qualifying group they 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 might scrape one draw or lose every other game. Um, should probably not be there, or, or there should be some sort of way of them playing teams at the same level to like pre-qualify to qualify to get into to the Now, someone I was reading something on the internet uh, earlier, but either today or yesterday, you and they can't were talking, read. Don't lie. <laughs> and, and they were they were talking about you know just put these teams in the Nations League, let them play against each other because they're all in the bottom yeah, division yeah. of the Nations League. Let them play each other, and those that sort of finish top. Can you know they're playing against teams at a similar level, possibly, yeah. uh, and the teams that finish in the top two can go into the the the, the qualify the group stage qualify. Now that's not to say that they haven't they don't deserve the right to to be competing to when they're in national tournaments. Mm-hmm. But if you, I mean, we, we looked at San Marino. I mean, when they were founded in 1990, they they've won one game. In, in nearly two hundred matches. You know, they they is, are just not going to qualify for an international. Is, is there a um? What about if there's a Europa League for the World Cup? So, so you like basically a... you so you have because I, I thought about this the other day and I quite like the idea because actually we would get you you would get these teams that are allowed to play on an, on an international stage. Granted, they're not going to get the numbers in terms of fans that are going to be watching it. I'd watch it just because you know who doesn't want to see two teams kick the crap out of each other for ninety minutes trying to get a goal. But if you were to have the World Cup which is made up of people that have qualified for that World Cup. And then you basically have a World Cup, you know, junior, whatever it is, where yeah. all of those lower ranked teams from across the world, by the way, get to go. And then also you could set it up so that if you were to, for example, come in the top six teams, the top eight teams, you get to the quarterfinals, 
you automatically get entry into qualification for the the, the big leagues. It's yeah. almost like because I I'd also had a thought about making a super league for international football, but you just had the big boys in it and all the other guys yeah. can play their own game. But you've got to have some kind of. No. Yeah, there's got to be an opportunity for teams to, to get there. I do get that you know, these teams must be feeling like, they must be really, you know, thinking, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm yeah. getting hammered. Whatever. Like you said, the goalkeeper was a part-time banker or whatever it is. But but this this comes into sort of a, another for, possible... For context, that was a joke, but let's face yeah. it, it wouldn't yeah. be unrealistic. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> but but there, there was someone, again, something else I read that, that they said, well, why don't you have something like, for teams like San Marino that are clearly a bunch of part-timers, have a bunch of semi-pros playing them and not have professional players playing because, you know, their fitness levels, their skill levels, their technical levels, nothing, they're, 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 it's not in the same Wait, universe, so let alone we have ballpark. To, so we have to make, so we basically get people from, National League South, Ithmian <laughs> League, and and the, the basically the Ryman League, and it, you say, it would okay, be, it, it would be a closer game. It would be a more interesting game as well, I reckon. But and here's so here's the thing, right? We what if we lose? So what? It, you know, it's good but, but for what, them. I mean, but and what level do you do that? Because what if every team has to do that, and then San Marino end up in the World Cup against Brazil? Which you know, who wouldn't want to see that? But exactly, I, I think yeah. I think that something has to happen. This is what annoys me. There, there's talk about having two World Cups, sorry, a World Cup every two years, yeah. And then in between those, you'd have the European Championships, and UEFA don't want to align it so that there's two European Championships. So you'd have like World Cup European Championship, World Cup nothing, World Cup European Championship, which just seems ridiculous to me anyway. But shouldn't they be focusing on letting these smaller teams have more competitive football than making sure that we as England, and we're lucky, you know, we've missed out on one tournament since, what, 1994? Two two tournaments, so 1994 and then 2008. So the two we've missed out on, wouldn't it be better if... You had these smaller the, teams. The, the, stand, the standard would improve. They'd be better. Uh, they, they'd improve as players. They. I just, I just think it would be better for them. You know, you're still going to have a worse team. You're still going to have a, yeah, a worse yeah. team. Like San Marino, like you said, they probably got about three and a half thousand people. Then you got to think. I mean, yeah, they probably, they probably got two thousand people yeah. that, that, that are even into play football. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. Where we just expect that all human beings love football. Yeah. But you know, so that's that's one thing. I think from from my point of view with that, you've just got to make sure that the smaller teams have more chance of playing competitive football. It's not their fault that there's only thirty three thousand people in San Marino. No. It's not our fault that that we are, you know, essentially the home of football. Like you know, and that's not to take away the fact that everyone else plays football, but it was essentially invented in England, which is why we love it so much. And the it's, same reason that I think we have such a pool of, of players to choose from, even though we've got 70-odd uh, million people. So, yeah, it's just... It's, it's, and I think both... This is the problem with international football that we spoke about last week. If we basically went back and said, well, we if, if, this, if we sat here today and we just played Belgium and the Czech Republic, we're probably sat here going, wow, they were two really close games and I can't believe that, you know we almost lost or we, we just yeah. snagged a draw against, you know, Belgium. And and yeah. did you see Lukaku doing this? And 
you know, obviously all the other Chelsea players that are better than everyone else and all this sort of stuff, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, international football in it, I right. think... Go on. So we've, we've talked about the bottom. We, we, we accept that, that there needs to be something for these lower teams to, yeah. to compete against each other to get into the sort of the main qualifying. I think doing it via the Nations League is, a, is a, 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 the easiest way. Uh, yeah. But we need to talk about seedings in the playoffs, which Ooh, I think yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah, but OK, I don't know what it is. So you need to tell me now what it is. So, uh, so certain teams, uh, depending on how well they done, I don't know if actually Wales might have done that today, but but Scotland, for example, are now seeded in the playoffs because of their seeded position. They looks like they can't draw Scotland. That's uh, sorry, they can't draw Italy or Portugal. Um, I am of the opinion that. If you get into the playoffs, it's because you are you were not the best team in your group over the course of the qualifying campaign. It should be complete luck of the draw. There shouldn't be a seeding system. So, like right. a, a bunch of teams that are considered the better runners up uh, yep. should be drawn against the people that were the, the not as good runner up. That's probably the ridiculous way of explaining it it should yep. literally be every team that's in the playoff put into a hat drawn out and fair and square and that's it and if, if it happens that Portugal play at Lee, brilliant unfortunately you know tough one team's got to go out and that's the way it is tough. but the fact that I think I do understand thinking about it from FIFA's point of view they want all the best teams to be in the World Cup but you know what we still if, watch it. If they were the best teams, you'd still watch it. If they were the best teams, they would have won their groups or they would have they would have qualified from their groups. <laughs> yeah, so. Very true. I mean, so I've just checked because I, I actually did think that you'd have done some research, but then I remembered who we are as people. Yeah. And I knew that we wouldn't have done. So basically the six teams, this is how convoluted it is as well, by the way, where they, they physically try and make it uh, so that only the best teams get in there. The six teams who finished with the best records as group runners up after results versus the bottom nations in groups with six teams are removed, are seeded and they'll be drawn to face one of the other six unseeded nations. Um, you don't get that with the championship playoffs or the, the, the EFL playoffs. You just get it that I think it's like third play fifth, fourth play sixth. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and that's just always how it is. And that's not a seeded thing. Nope. That's just a how it is. They, they said, you know what, rather than third and fourth playing each other, we give everyone a chance to play someone who's you know, worthy. So I agree, get rid of it. It, it, it makes no sense. Yeah. Um, it, it also, I would argue, makes no sense for the World Cup or the European Championships in general. Just why there's no point in having a seeded team if it's about the, having the best teams in there. You know, if England are the best team, they're still going to get through to the final if they're the best team. If Germany are the best team, it doesn't yeah. matter if they play Belgium and England in the in the group. And also, it does exactly what we're trying to do here. So what we're trying to do here is if we're <laughs> as if we're like, oh, we've got a petition FIFA today. Um, <laughs> go to petition.gov. Um, but what we've said basically is that smaller teams in the international sphere deserve to have more playing time within big tournaments. So essentially by unseeding teams and just having all teams that are qualified play whoever it is, you give a, a team like know, Scotland a chance. Scotland have been given their chance, but realistically there are other teams that could have been given a better chance. So that was one, that was the one thing that you had about international football. Yeah. My thing 
is that it pisses me off when I can't get a decent bet going. <laughs> oh God. I know this this is a, a similar um in a seriousness. I went on to William Hill, not a sponsor, the other day, and I have put England to win against San Marino, England to win. I've then put Conor Gallagher to score. I've then put, <laughs> no, who is it? Two players to get a shot on target. I think it was Emil Smith-Rowe, and it might have been Harry Maguire or someone. I've then put more than 6.5 corners and more than 6.5 goals, and it's given me odds of 4-1. to one. Now, the chances of that happening, of everything that I've said happening there, <laughs> is, is much more than that. But because it's, you know, and, and then trying to put an accumulator together where you've got these teams that are always going to lose four or five nil. And it just annoyed me. And I, and just, I, it's a little bitchy thing that I've got, but it really winds me up. And it means I have to start betting on the, like the, literally like the Ukrainian third division. <laughs> just, you know, it just winds me up. But that that's just, that's my thing. I don't want to go into it too much. It upsets me. I've got bet going tonight and we'll see how that comes on with the FA Cup replays um, but there is one thing that actually is quite serious that I wanted to, to mention with you and you spoke about money earlier and you spoke about how I'm a Chelsea fan and I think money's ruined football and, and you basically laugh at me because Chelsea spent money when they came into the Premier League their net spend by the way just while we're on the subject is uh, I think one of the lowest in the Premier League over the course of the last uh, 20 years so you know, whatever argument you got oh. for that, I don't want to listen to it, if I'm honest. But the thing <laughs> I wanted to talk, the thing I wanted to talk about here is Gary Hoffman. Do you know who that is? It, uh, no, yes. No, I read about him today. I do know who he is, and I can't think of it. Gary Hoffman is currently the Premier League chairman. Premier League chairman, that's right. Don't say it as I'm saying no, it, as if you knew. Right. He's stepping down because he's got a lot of grief about the House of Saud taking over Newcastle, right? Yes, disgraceful, because there's nothing that Saudi Arabia have done that Chelsea and Man City's owners haven't at least had a part in. And I, I, I just think that that is, I can't prove that. And I, for legal reasons, would like to say I have absolutely no proof and it's probably wrong. <laughs> but there's, there's nothing that you can say there that, that actually, that, that you can... That you can turn around and go, actually, you know what? Roman Abramovich and his and his blood money, and you know, prints something from Manchester City, and their blood money, and their oil money, is different. It's definitely different to the Saudi Arabian blood money and oil money. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense to me. I get there's human rights issues involved. There's human rights issues involved with a lot of things at the moment yeah. as well. Yeah, Qatar. I imagine, you know, Roman Abramovich's money does not come from good places. He used to be a part of the the inner circle of a certain leader in Russia currently. Um, so, but to run someone out of their job because they let a team get taken over, I just think, come on. like. So, in, I don't know, where, where do you start with that? He's obviously come under a lot of uh, scrutiny, a lot of uh, fire for for allowing this takeover. But I think, yeah, I, I think uh, 
certain pundits on Sky were talking about it. You know, the the, the cat was out of the bag uh, a long time. The, the, you know, the horse, the, the, the door was open, the horse had bolted ages ago when when Abramovich came in, when Abu Dhabi came in at Man City, when um, when they allowed the Glazers to buy United on uh, effectively on debt without investing their own money. You know, the, 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 as soon as they allowed this to happen, you know, the Saudi Arabian royal family were gonna were gonna come in eventually. You know, it'll be China next, or there might be clubs that are owned by Chinese businessmen um, already. You know, it, I think money you, in football, money in football so, has ruined it. Yeah, uh, you, you can't promote the Premiership around the world as the greatest, most competitive, bestest league in the entire world, and not expect foreign businessmen or foreign business interests to want to not want a piece of it uh, and yeah and unfortunately a lot of these people that uh, have ridiculous amounts of money uh, are somewhat shady in their business practices is probably the best way to put it um somewhat <laughs> yeah well yeah yeah you, i mean Ooh. allegedly that you know the qatar world cup we talk about fee from their corruption you know uh, until the, uh, well, haven't they the literally? Morning. They've literally been fined and banned for the corruption that Seth Blatter and yeah. Michelle Platini but, were but, involved but in. The, but the Qataris, the Qatari uh, families, or, or whatever it is, have, have put so much money into like PSG and uh, and into infrastructure in other countries and, and stuff like that, that that they they can. You know, allegedly, there's like a couple of thousand people that have died in the building of their stadiums and and the the process of getting. Qatar ready for the for the World Cup. So there's a yeah. lot of um, uh, you know if you you know the World Cup is FIFA's way of making money. It doesn't really make a lot of money outside of the World Cups every four years. So it, it obviously is going to end up going to the the, the countries that they're going to make the most money out of. Yeah. Um, and and you know regardless of international rights or human uh, human rights and stuff. A bit like uh, the the FA, the, the the horse bolted ages ago. As soon as we allowed well, uh, foreign ownership, it was it, it was yeah. before that. It, it was I don't think foreign ownership is the problem. No, I'm, I think yeah, it, it, it's the yeah. No, I mean it, I think it's ownership where it comes from a sketchy place in general. Mm. You know, you look at um, like Mel Morris and what he's done with with Derby, and that's that's you know disgraceful the way that he's he's conducted business there to the point that Derby are almost definitely going to be in the League One. Uh, in League One next year, yeah. and I think the actual horse, whatever the horse bolted <laughs> out of the stables and pulled down some yeah, pants it, at yeah. Anfield, and <laughs> what an analogy! And swung yeah. things around. No, I think the actual horse bolted when um, Sky got the deal, Murdoch got the deal to you know, have the rights for the Premier League because you know, let's face it, Rupert Murdoch is not a an unshady businessman but um no, no. no I, th- I think that that was a really sort of important thing that i saw earlier yeah. and all the while i've just seen here that gareth barry has been charged with breaching fa ownership regulations because he put eight hundred thousand pound into swindon town back when they had absolutely no money and needed investors so you can't win no. you literally can't win teams no. that have got no money suddenly get an investor like gareth barry for example and i've not looked into this too much but regardless of what his intention was if it was to make money or not he's he's tried to save a football club in a way um, and now he's he's getting you know potentially banned for it for, for stuff that he's done. So you kind of it both way. Um, we need to move on to our red cards. 
yeah. an MVP of the week. This is something that I have not thought about much. So, as always, you can go first, my friend. Okay. So, uh, MVP of the week. There was uh, uh, quite a few that I thought about. Um, I started thinking, what about Harry Kane? He scored seven goals, two games. Then I thought, actually, he's a stat padder. If you look at his record, he scored something like five goals against Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Brazil, any of the big sort of sides. He doesn't score. He doesn't tend to score many goals. Um, you could argue that that's because they're better teams. He doesn't get as many chances. Fine, but um, for someone that's got forty plus goals for England now, in the sort of same uh, or in the same breath as uh, as your your Bobby Charlton's, your Jimmy Greaves, your Gary Lineker's, Owens, Rooney's, all that Probably, sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah Shearer. You know, his his goal record. Yes, it's good, but. It's it's nothing to write about when you look at it into too many details. Um, right. I I thought. So you thought about um, him for MVP or red card? <laughs> I thought about him for MVP and then thought no, he's a stat batter. Um, right. I thought I thought Emil Smith Rowe. I thought he played really well. I thought yeah, he got he got the start uh, and yeah. debut assist and a goal. Um, uh, I then thought Trent maybe got so many assists in the games, but actually yeah. when you think it's San Marino getting three assists against them. I fancy my grand could probably do that. Um, <laughs> so I I ended up picking, and you've already mentioned him, Alexander Mitrovic for Serbia. Scoring, oh, okay. Yeah, scoring yeah. the 89th minute winner header against uh, Portugal. Yeah. Um, to put to put Portugal into the playoffs and uh, help Serbia qualify uh, for the World Cup. Yeah. You know, what? I was looking at some stats. He scored 44 goals in 69 games for Serbia. That's, yeah, that's he's like, huge for them. Um, he's their he's their top scorer. Uh, yep. He's the Serbian uh, national team top scorer. He scored sixty odd goals in one hundred and twenty one games with Fulham. So he's like he's, yeah. he's one in two. I I, I genuinely yeah. didn't risk. I, I seem to remember him at Newcastle thinking he was a bit of a lump, but not actually that good. But he scores goals for fun. It looks like looking at his stats. So, <laughs> were, you, were you talking about Mitrovic there or me? <laughs> no score at all. Um, uh, so yeah, my MVP of the week this week was. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Okay. I am going with Steve Clark. Okay. And you'd forgotten yeah. he was Scotland's football manager, didn't you? No, and the moment you mentioned him, I knew him. I knew he was Scotland's football manager. I, I um, didn't, just had to Google it. Um, I think <laughs> <laughs> I think Scotland almost getting to a World Cup shows such a, a progression. Um from where they were like, you know, 10 years ago, where they're basically a bit yeah. of a joke. And Actually, uh, uh, 10 years ago when we played them, uh, I'd, I'd have been like, oh, walk over, you know, we'll win 3-4-0 and that'll be fine. Now, if we if we played them tomorrow, I'd be worried that they'd beat us. We played them in the Euros. I mean, to be fair, he's taken Scotland to their first international tournament since 98. So, and they're on the uh, brink of a second. The Euros. Uh, yeah, in the playoffs, I get that. And they're seeded, so they should hopefully get a fairly straightforward draw to get through. But don't forget, they were... They were crap in the Euros. We 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 drew nil nil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, apart from that, I mean, they were always going to be up for that game, but they were, I mean, they were rubbish in the Euros. Otherwise, um, yeah, but but you know, he's he's got them there, fair play. And if he if he gets them to the World Cup, and I think he's done, he's, he's obviously improved them, like you said, over the course of the last ten years. But they were a bit of a joke to to where they are now. Fair play. He's, I think yeah, that's, a, that's a great shout. Steve Clark in general for me is actually quite a good manager. I know people don't necessarily think of him as this and, and they don't, uh, you know, sort of appreciate that sometimes, but 
he was a very good assistant manager at Chelsea. He was a very good assistant manager at West Ham, at Liverpool. Um, I think he done really well at those teams. And, and then he moved into management. I'm just looking here with West Brom, Reading, went back to being an assistant at Villa. Then he did quite a good job at Kilmarnock and then got the Scotland job. And I think it's one of those where he... I think the, the thing with Scotland job was I don't think... I think after, I think... I can't think who was their manager before that, Alex McLeish, or, or uh, I can't remember who it was. I don't think many people wanted it. And I think he he took it on and and yeah, he's he's done it his own way. And he's I think he's been brilliant for him. So fair play. But he's also so this this is what I think he's he's done quite well. So he's he's manager, John Carver. Do you remember him? Yeah, Newcastle assistant. Newcastle assistant manager. Um, and then Stephen Naismith. Yeah, yeah. Um, form of form of uh, sort of Scotland player as well. I think he's done quite well there to, to bring in um, really good players behind him. That uh, sorry, people behind him that that know that team, and also Scotland are bringing through some good talent. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, I think I mean, they've got the they've got the the bones of a of a decent side. I'm I'm not massively convinced by Che Adams up front for him, but um, I think he's he's. About as good as they've got at the moment, but well, you I think, think they've they've got McTominay, so, Robertson, uh, McTominay, Craig Gordon in goals playing really well. You say you say the penalty, um, yeah, yeah, but also the ones that you don't really think of. So Liam Cooper of Leeds, Leeds does a great job at Leeds. You, you can't mm-hmm. deny that. They've also got John McGinn. They've got Callum McGregor who plays for Celtic. They've got Billy Gilmore, they've got Stuart Armstrong, who plays for Southampton. They've got Kenny McLean, who plays for Norwich. Che Adams, Ryan Christie. They've got Lyndon Dykes, who my father-in-law loves because he used to play for Queen of the Sooth. Moved on to QPR, and he's, he's doing good things at QPR. Um, but they've got good teams. Scotty McTighe. They're, 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 they're not a bad side. They've actually got a really good team. <laughs> yeah, like, if you have. look at it, Ollie Burke, like, even he's... Doing all right, Ollie McBurney, Brian Fraser, James Forrest. You look at that team. If you put if you put that team together, they come mid table in the Prem. You reckon? I reckon so. No, I think they'd be lower lower third. They wouldn't be mid. They wouldn't get relegated. No, no, I don't think I don't think they get relegated. I think they they beat Norwich um, and a couple <laughs> other teams, but um, they, they'd be they'd be bottom. Third. They'd be in that like, mix with Aston Villa and Southampton and Burnley and that. Yeah. I think we spoke about that last week. Cool. So. Jack's going to headbutt you for putting Villa down there. I'm not wrong, am I? No, no but Steve, we, we haven't I even mentioned we haven't even mentioned Gerard taking. I over. didn't. Yeah, do you know what? I feel like this is this is we. I'm going to apologise at this stage because it's going to be an hour and a half podcast again, but. Do you know what? It's fantastic content. Um, <laughs> Steve Clark is my my MVP. That's a good um, Just because I, I think the, the job he's done to get them there is fantastic. Who's your red card? So this I found really difficult. One, because I wasn't really that interested in... Because you weren't paying attention. I, no, it's not that I wasn't paying attention. I just didn't find anyone that I thought had a really, really bad... Week, you could say the San Marino team, you could say uh, the Portugal team because they had the chance to uh, to qualify for the World Cup and and lost it in the 89th minute. Um, but I ended up picking Jorginho. I know you've mentioned him already uh, to oh. have the opportunity, an 89th minute penalty to to put your team into the World Cup. 
Uh, I don't even think his penalty's landed uh, yet. Uh, it's skied <laughs> the bar. And it's not like him, because normally he takes that little hop and he just rolls it, rolls it's the keeper. Yeah, and he smashed the penalty over the crossbar. And like I said, I think it's, well, it's on his way to the moon at the moment. He missed so, one in the uh, summer, so I didn't he, against us in the final. Yeah, yeah. I, so. I, I, Bruno did exactly the same um, uh, for United against... Oh, Wolves, maybe I can't remember. What it was it was he, 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 you know, normally just, people he's missed, normally actually. sends a keeper the wrong way or, or does a little hop, didn't sky it over the bar at the end of the game. And it was a draw, um, but yeah, so there wasn't a big choice for the red card. But I just thought, uh, considering European champions, one point is all they needed to, to qualify for the world yeah. cup. An 89th minute penalty, you'd have put your mortgage, your house, your life on Jorginho <laughs> scoring, um, and he didn't. And then, of course, I mean. Drew, I don't, think I, put, I don't think I put my life on Giorgino scoring a penalty, Ben. No, I suppose we've seen him miss two big penalties. So, yeah. Very perhaps, dramatic, perhaps my that. friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so he was, my, uh, he was my choice. Okay. Mine's the referee from the San Marino England game. He was trash. Absolute trash. I hated him. <laughs> he... <laughs> Did he just... say you could pick a referee for your red card? You're... Well, yes. I, I mean... Literally speaking, we make up the rules, Ben. Yeah, so this is true. I think, yeah, we definitely can. I just, I know it's England versus San Marino, and I know that it doesn't mean, and I, I, it doesn't mean a lot that game because obviously we're going to win every single time. But Jude Bellingham should currently be England's second youngest ever goal scorer, and he's not because the San Marino uh, or the the referee, sorry, thought it was a good idea uh, to blow up on something that wasn't a clear and obvious error. I do think maybe it was a bit of a foul by accident where the two players have come together. But A, that hasn't interfered with that goal. B, I do think it was in a different phase of play. And three, or C, I've literally forgotten whether I was using numbers or letters. Um, I, I just think that the referee got it wrong. I don't think it's clear and obvious. You can't, I don't think you should go back and you you know, do things like that. And he gave us a penalty for a player that didn't touch the ball with his hand. Yeah, he didn't have the best of games. I, he had I, a terrible game. And I don't know if that's because it. he had no pressure and he was just like, oh, I could pull my pants down. Um, we're going to have to get some merch. The minute we get some merch and we get a bit of money in, we're going to have to get just a <laughs> T-shirt that's got both of us with our pants pulled down on it. <laughs> Showing our asses, <laughs> but but no, no, he uh, no one wants to see that international football. No matter what level you're you're refereeing at, whether it's England versus Belgium or England versus San Marino, you need to have a referee that's not going to crumble under the pressure. And he really did crumble under that pressure. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah that's fine. I, I I agree with you. I think this is the first week I've thought you've not been harsh with your choices, but you yeah, your red your red card and your MVP were were good choices this week. So. Yeah, yeah I mean, stinker of a game. Portugal could have been red card because I do think Portugal, Portugal's players are better than being in the playoff. Yeah, yeah. They are. I think I think there's something to be said for the Portuguese manager who's still playing like Jose Font, uh, a centre-back, and he's like, what is he, 30, 38, Ronaldo's 37. They are relying on a lot of old players now, even though they've got, you know, they've got some pretty good youngsters coming through from what I... I've been told, I don't, can't think of any names now. But um, I, I'm going to add a secondary red card. Oof. Ooh, we're changing week. the rules up. Murray Patricio, shit. 
Rui oh, Patricio yeah, that, let her, basically yeah. just let a goal in. And if it wasn't for him, his his team would be in the uh, be in the oh, World yeah. Cup next year without having so to they, play another game. Portugal went one nil up in the uh, minute forty, I think it was. So yeah, it's, like, oh, honestly, a great goal. And, yeah. it, it's got to a point. I think Rui Patricio, people think he's incredibly good because he spent a long, long time at Sporting Lisbon, who were not a very good team in the grand scheme of things. He then moved to Wolves, who is not a very good team in the grand scheme of things, and now he plays for Roma. He's played 101 games for Portugal, and arguably, the only thing I've ever seen him do for Portugal was basically throw the ball into his net. So, <laughs> yeah, actually, got a bit angry now. Screw that <laughs> referee. <laughs> screw that referee and screw Rui Patricio. <laughs> and they can both sit at the dinner table with each other and cry their eyes out for being rubbish at what they do. Whilst we're on the subject... Car. That's my red card. While she <laughs> mentioned our our friend Stephen Gerrard, <laughs> let's let's do a little a, a little bit at the end now. Where I, and I just want I just want an answer to this question, and it, it could be yes or no. Will Stephen Gerrard take Aston Villa to the next level, i.e., regularly qualifying for in uh, for European competitions? No, not okay. Too. I just don't see it. I don't see, uh, not unless they, I mean, Villa have invested a fair bit of money and I know they've got some uh, some quite wealthy owners unless they invest a, a significant amount more. Uh, Gerard might get, get some people in. I, I genuinely think, and, and yeah, our, our friend is going to hate this, that, that he sees Villa as a stepping stone to Liverpool. I think it's, he, he's not. Uh, he's de- Gerard is not going from Rangers straight to Liverpool. He is, however, much more likely to get the Liverpool job if he's in the Premiership. He's managed in there uh, and and been relatively successful. Maybe he keeps. Uh, he stabilizes Villa, improves their form a little bit. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he takes them into Europe. Um, uh, but I think this for him is is a yeah a stepping stone to to the Liverpool job. Will Dean Smith. Keep Norwich City in the Premier League this season, yes or no? Not a chance in hell. Okay, that's not yes or no, but I understand your answer. Yeah. Will he get them promoted next season? Yes. I just think that uh, Norwich know what to do to get out of the Championship. Yeah. They, they play the right way to, to, to get promoted. So yeah, he won't keep on. I, that, that's not to say that he he lasts the season. He might do um, uh, if if they go down. I think they they will. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to walk the walk the championship like they might have done previously, but they'll 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 be in the top two. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, I I will I will bet you five of Her Majesty's greatest British pounds okay. that next season Newcastle United will win the championship. Okay, that's where we're going to leave it this week, I think. Thank you very much for watching and listening everywhere. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you are. You can follow us on everything at Variations of the Red Card. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at at the red underscore card or the underscore red card. Basically, search it until you find our name somewhere. Thank you very much for watching. We will bore you again next week. Thanks all. Kudos to those that noticed the... uh the subtle movie references uh, within that podcast. I'm not putting that in, Ben. Damn you.